0: Now, I'm going to invite my friend, Ben, up here as he talks about what I was just talking about earlier, relapse, and more importantly, how we can avoid relapsing. Thanks, Sam. Appreciate it. Good to see you guys tonight. <clears throat> when I first started coming here about three and a half years ago, I don't know if you I don't know if I've ever told you this, Sam, but I always thought Sam, and I still do, I thought he was a cool dresser, man. I don't know why. I just thought you always wore cool stuff. You had cool work boots and cool work. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) No, that's great. That's great. Thanks very much, Sam. I appreciate that. Hey, so my name is Ben. I'm a grateful grateful believer in Jesus Christ, and I'm in recovery for alcohol. Hey, you guys. Is it okay if I pray for us for a few moments? Lord, thank you for letting us be here tonight. And I would give this time to you, and I ask, Lord, that you would, you would do a work in our life. And whatever's taking place today, whatever we have planned tonight, it might just be paused for a few moments so we could hear from you. So use me tonight and allow us just to enjoy being with you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I get to be around a lot of guys in my OpenShare group, as Sam was talking about, and I know some of their struggles, and they know some of my struggles, but I don't know all of yours, And I don't know what brings you here tonight, whether it's uh, alcohol like me, drugs, whether it's codependency, sex, anger, uh, child of a dysfunctional family, I don't know what it is. But I imagine not every day for you is always simple. I know mine's not always simple. Some days are great, some days are difficult. Some weekends and weeks are difficult. But regardless, They are there for God's design and God's work in our life. Uh, a few weeks back, my wife and I went to one of her uh, parties for work that she had. She's a teacher, and so we went to this school party, and it was at this restaurant. And this is one of those difficult days for me, it seemed like. and We got there, this restaurant, and it was just like you'd see out of a movie. You know, People laughing, having a great time, some people trying to dance me wishing I could dance and then everyone just having a great time and I was just sitting there at the table with my wife, you know, gazing intently into her eyes, listening to everything she uttered out of her mouth and just sat there with my diet soda in my hand. And at one point during the evening, I looked over and they had the big gigantic bar area and everybody was there ordering drinks having a great time, laughing, giggling. And a thought came into my mind. And I thought, man, that would be really fun if I could just go order a drink. And then not like a millisecond later, I began to think of all the other things that would then take place. And I started thinking about, number one, the look on my wife's face the trust that I would break with those who, who love me and care for me, my kids, the shame and the guilt that I would feel, the space in my head that would be taken up for, from thinking about that next drink. And all of a sudden, what seemed to be a lot of fun was terrifying. And so I jerked my head back to my wife and I just listened more intently and just kept on enjoying my diet soda. Um, it's w- tonight we have the opportunity to talk about relapse. And it's one of those words for me that I've always thought that I just don't want to talk about it. It's kind of like a pitcher throwing a perfect game or no hitter. I don't know if you watch those on TV, but if someone's got a no hitter or a perfect game, no one talks to the pitcher. He's you look at the dugout and he's sitting all by himself and the rest of the team is super far away. Because if they say it, if they say, man, you're throwing a perfect game, then the theory is is he's going to give up a hit or he's going to give up a walk. And sometimes when I think of relapse, I wonder, man, I'm just not even going to think about it or not even bring it up so that it won't happen. If I just act like it's not there, it won't happen. And that's never worked for me in my whole life. I don't know why all of a sudden it would work now. But tonight we're going to talk about how do we prevent relapse from happening. And playing out the whole tape like I did that night when I was with my wife is one of those ways. But sometimes it's not just doing that. Sometimes there is more that we can do in order to prevent relapse from taking place. And in Celebrate Recovery, they always have these fancy acrostics, right? And so we have this fancy acrostic tonight from relapse. And I know we'll be going through those letters we'll be talking about a lot of things probably, and there's probably a lot that's on your mind and on your heart, but my prayer as I've been looking and preparing over this the last few weeks is that the Holy Spirit will just allow you to walk away with just one thing. I mean, millions of things maybe, but just one thing tonight perhaps to walk away with that you might say, I'm going to apply this to my life. So here we go. Ready? Ready. The R in relapse, is reserve a daily quiet time with God for self-examination, Bible reading, and prayer in order to know God and His will for my life and gain the power to follow His will. This is principle seven. We're at step 11 now as we've been working through the steps, and this is the principle number seven. But why do we need to reserve this time with God? And As I was studying this, the, the author wrote this phrase. He said, We make time with God. We reserve time with him because temptations never make a reservation with us. They just show up uninvited. And I thought, that's pretty slick. Pretty slick, but pretty mean at the same time. We are never out of the woods when it comes to relapse, when it comes to our addiction or codependent behaviors. It will always, always be there. And the desire we have to sin is not just from the evil one. It comes from us. James chapter 1, verses 14 to 15 says, But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. And then when desire, then desire when it has conceived gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, brings forth death. This verse is never more apparent than it is in recovery, isn't it? as we look about and think about our own desires and how it gives birth to sin and eventually it leads to death. And we see that here. It's very, very real. Relapse is always at our doorstep. It's not to bring fear, but it's to bring a realistic truth about who we are and our dependence upon the Lord. The E in relapse is evaluate your life on a daily basis. And this is different for a lot of people And you may already evaluate your life every single day, or you may have never evaluated your life. And for me, I evaluate my life this way. It may not be the set ways, but I'm just going to go for it and tell you what I attempt to do. Not that I do this every day, but I do my best. But number one, evaluate your life spiritually. Have you thought deeply about who Jesus is? About who God is? the Holy Spirit, maybe asking a question, God, what are you up to? Sometimes I'll have the chance to talk with people, and and in my life, I've always asked the questions of, God, why is this happening? Why is this happening? And sometimes the question needs to change, because I know that God always works in my life. He's always done so. So maybe the question needs to change to, God, what are you up to? What is it you're trying to teach me? What is it about you that I need to learn? Second thing, I try to evaluate my life emotionally. Have you thought about what you were feeling or felt throughout the day? Were you afraid? Were you ashamed? Excited? Were you grateful? We're supposed to be taking a trip, my wife, my two kids, and I. And so oftentimes, as I think about the airplane ride, fear comes up. And so many times at the end of the day, I I put down there, I was afraid because I thought about the airplane. But what have you thought today? What are you feeling and why? Then there's relationally, evaluating your life that way. Did you have conversations or did you have interactions with people? Were there some that you need to go and revisit, perhaps? or some that you may need to celebrate conversations that you have. And then the last one, and this one may seem odd to you, but I put down, sometimes I evaluate my life physically. And I do it in this way, let me try to explain it. Today I sent my wife and my kids, we have this this text thread that we always text each other. And as I was driving in between jobs, I looked up and the sky was just blue, really, really blue. No clouds anywhere. And so we have this thing that we'll do in our family, and I'll just tell them, hey, look up at the sky today and notice what God has done. And sometimes there'll be these incredible clouds, and one or people in our family will say the same thing. And when I mean evaluate your life physically, look up, look out to see what God has done. It's right in front of us. It's why sometimes we go to the beach, Right? To look out into the ocean. It's why people go to the Grand Canyon to see this gigantic hole. Because God makes pretty incredible things. And sometimes physically, I need to go and do that. But other things. Did you take a walk? Did you stretch? Did you breathe? (sighs) All right. The L is listen to Jesus. Listen to Jesus. What is it that you need to listen to when Jesus is talking? Three things. Number one, who he says he is. Who he says he is. John 14, 6. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's the way. Life change takes place because of Jesus. All throughout century after century, right? On all kinds of continents, Not all kinds. There's only seven, right? On the continents, male, female, young, old, smart, uneducated, rich, poor, lives have been changed, and Jesus is that person who has done the changing. And so listen to what he says, because if you're anything like me, which hopefully you're not too much like me, but if you're in here, you're probably a little like me, sometimes I think I'm the one that does the changing. When it comes to my kids, I'm the one that needs to change them. No, Jesus needs to do that. He is the way and he's the truth. Secondly, we need to listen to Jesus in who he says you are. And I say this all the time, but I love this. You are God's masterpiece. I decided to bring up this famous painting that I have here. It's, it's a priceless painting. And Josiah walks in my office all the time and says, man, I wish I had that painting. No, he doesn't say that. He says some other things. But it is. It's a one-of-a-kind painting. When my kids were seven and four, one of the only good ideas I've ever had is is I I got this canvas and I painted it all brown and I just plastic everywhere in my backyard. I mean, plastic everywhere you could see because they were seven and four. And I put all this paint out for them and these brushes and I said, okay guys, you're just gonna take the brushes and you're gonna throw the paint at this canvas. And so it was really fun. And they were throwing it and throwing it. And my son who just, he's just my son, he's always gonna be this way. Instead of throwing it, he couldn't just do that. And so he walks up like this while I'm not looking. And he's like this. Because he knows he's supposed to throw it. Like, why would I make rules on something like this? But he takes this brush and he goes, right there. But when I look at this painting, it was in our house for a while. And we had the verse, Ephesians 2, 8 to 10. And it says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship. You are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. One Bible version says we are his masterpiece. And we used to have this under our painting and then AIM wanted to redecorate. And I said, I'm taking that with me to my office. Because when I look at it, it reminds me of who Jesus says we are. Because in Christ, when we surrender our life to him, we become his masterpiece. And we're able to do the good works that he's prepared for us to do. That's extraordinary. And I forget that some days. I forget that a lot of days. And and there are many nights when I lie in bed wishing I would have made a whole bunch of different decisions. There are some nights I'll lay in bed and I'll think back, five years ago and say, why did I make that decision? How come I couldn't have done this? Or I should have done this. And I have to remind myself of who Jesus says I am. And the fact that, no, Ben, all those things took place for a reason. Because I'm going to use you to impact others who have gone through and are going to go through the same thing you are going to go through. Isn't it amazing when you come across someone and they start sharing a story to you and you're like oh my gosh I feel like it's me talking we had this class that we did this last Sunday uh, and AIM and I were able to teach it my wife and I and this couple came up afterwards and they're like you are exactly like us and it's the way God does things so wherever you are you may have just relapsed you may have never relapsed you may relapse God can use every bit of it. Listen to who he says you are. You are valuable. You are a valuable person. No matter what you've heard growing up, the last week, what you've heard today, just know that you are valuable in the Lord's eyes. And lastly, when it comes to listening to Jesus, listen to who he says others are. Genesis 127, it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, He created Him, male and female, He created them. People are image bearers. Whether they've surrendered to the gift of Jesus Christ in their life um, and, and have now become a believer, as we say, it does not change the fact that we are all created in the image of God. Therefore, we all have value. Whether you agree with someone or not, they are valuable. And you don't know the work that God has prepared for them or the work that he's going to do in your life. Our job is to treat others even when they are difficult. Even when the circumstances in our minds don't warrant warrant us treating them like a human being. As a kid, I used to think random things when my dad was driving me places and when I was in the car I actually used to think of my dad when he was driving. This is when I was probably like, I don't know, last week. No, when I was probably like 12 or something or eight. And I used to look over at my dad and I would think, is that really my dad? Maybe he's some other random person and he's just taking me places. But I also used to think other things when I was driving. That was just a freebie that meant nothing to the message. But when I would be driving, I used to always, and occasionally I'll do it still. I would look at the people because I wouldn't be driving; I'd be in the back seat, and I would just look at everybody when they drove by, right? Huh? <laughs> Wondering where they were going. Wondering. I wonder. I wonder if they're going to Chuck E. Cheese like I am, or <laughs> I wonder. I wonder where they're going. I wonder what they're doing. I wonder if they think. Their dad is really not their dad. I don't know what they were thinking. (laughs) My point is this. When we see others, how might it change if we look at them and say, I wonder what's going on in their life. I wonder what's going on in his life, in her life. I wonder what happened today. I wonder if they've heard good news or if they've heard bad news. Because I don't know the circumstances that everyone is going through. I don't know your circumstances. And you don't know mine. But every life has value. The A is a lone and quiet time. You have hopefully reserved a time with God. Maybe you have. Maybe you're a morning person and you always mark out time to be with Him. Maybe it's when it's at your best, and for some of you, that's in the afternoon. For some of you, that could be in the evening. I don't know, but you've reserved that time. But when you do it, make sure you're alone and quiet. And the point of this letter is to do exactly what's mentioned. Just be alone, you and the Lord, and then be quiet. That may frighten you. Even then, you may be like, is he going to (laughs) talk? But be quiet. Allow there to be silence, to be alone with just you and the Lord. It's a good thing. It's a great thing. And our addiction and our codependency, there are times when we may have been alone because of something we have done. And the only one around was the Lord. And for me, although that was a frightening time of life, it was exactly where I needed to be alone with the Lord and quiet. Because that's when God became even more real in my life. And so I need to try and do that every day, of being alone and quiet with just him, not with others. Just with him. The P is plug into God's power through prayer. prayer, Excuse me. The big book and says in verse in, in verse psh, pages eighty six to eighty seven, we ask God to direct our thinking, divorced from self pity. Oh, that's me big time. God help me not to be have self pity, dishonest or self seeking motives. We pray for His will to be done. Man, that's a pretty extraordinary thing. Let me read those again. We pray that God directs our thinking. To be divorced from self-pity, dishonest, or self-seeking motives. Rather, we pray for his will to be done. We listen to God and then we share with God. We pray that he would provide us with what we need for that day. For that day and that day alone. We pray, you know, that he's going to meet our emotional needs and he does. Our physical needs, and he does. Our relational needs, and he does. And of course, our spiritual needs. He can meet those. The S, and we only got two letters left, okay? The S is slow down. Slow down. This is probably, not probably, this may be one of the hardest ones for us, right? But slow down. Wait until God answers. Wait until God brings clarity. We always want to hurry the process, right? Sometimes as we're waiting for God's will to unfold, we just say, would you just do something already? Would you just answer me already? When, when, when is that going to happen? We need to slow down. Sometimes that's exactly where you need to be. God has always been in the habit of slowing things down a little bit because it's more important that you learn about him some days. It's more important that you learn about the process before you embrace that promise that we talked about before. From a teenager until probably about a couple years ago, I used to go into the bank. Does anybody actually go into the bank anymore and deposit your checks? I used to do that a lot. I used to like talk with the tellers there We used to talk about things of like, hey, my kid's 10. How old's your kid now? And I'd go in there and say, how's your kid doing? They got to be like 11 now. And they would ask about my kids and my wife. And that doesn't happen anymore. Because now my wife says, babe, you're such a dinosaur. Why do you go into the bank anymore? Don't you know that you can go and deposit your check at the ATM? What? And so I go to the ATM the first time, and what happens? I put my check in there, and it gets stuck. <laughs> but now I deposit at the ATM, and I think I'm really great and really cool. And my wife says, babe, you're such a dinosaur. Don't you know that you can deposit your checks with your phone? What? I still haven't done that. I don't trust it. <laughs> but convenience, my point is this, convenience is great. It is great nowadays. There's so much convenience. But finding clarity in how God works and what God does is not always fast, and it's not always convenient. It's not. And as you read through the word, you'll find out that God isn't always convenient. He's not. It's not always like simple in what He does. Because God has a lot of work to do. God's concerned about your heart more than he is your convenience and how, how easy things are. And you may be like, oh man. It's the way it goes. It's the way it goes. And the last thing, the E in relapse, is enjoy your growth. Enjoy your growth. And this is the part where I appreciate... Um, I appreciate when people are up here and they're talking about joyful things. And I appreciate all of it. I appreciate the fellowship events that are taking place. It's talking about enjoying your growth. Like God is in the midst of working. And when we have lived our life, I have lived my life so long uh, looking over my shoulder, wondering when I'm going to be found out. Knowing that when people say things to me, they really don't know the real me, so that doesn't count when they say nice things. Now I can actually have a conversation with someone and not look over my shoulder and whatever takes place, and I can enjoy the growth that's taking place. And we need to celebrate that. So while this are are serious moments as we talk about relapse, please don't miss the fact that God is working. He is doing things, even though you may not see it. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Enjoy your victories. Celebrate your victories. Celebrate others' victories. That may be a new thing for us, right? Right? We may have lived life, and and every time something good happened for someone else, we'd be like, wish that would happen for me. But now you can celebrate their victories. Be excited for people. Relapse is a very real thing. It's possible for every one of us. You may have just relapsed, as I talked about. You may have never relapsed. Regardless, God's still in control. We do not wait for it to happen to us. We work hard at preventing that which we hope never happens. We have to move forward. If we are not working our program, we are that much closer to relapse. There is no status quo when it comes to sobriety. We're either moving forward or we're moving backwards. Therefore, let's keep on moving forward. And that really is the focus question that i love to encourage you guys to think about tonight. If it's not just answering this focus question, maybe it is, this is what God had to stick out for me tonight. But the focus question is this, and for those listening online, what does it mean for you to keep moving forward in your recovery? Specifically, what does that mean for you? I appreciate you guys letting me share. Let's stand up and we're going to read the serenity prayer and then we'll head to group.